Hello again. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Crash, Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 390, recorded on Friday the 25th of June 2021 at 231039. Let's start with the state of the rewatch, and I almost didn't tape this one in time. As it is right now, because I'm recording on the day that I usually release, by the time I edit it and upload it, it won't come out today. I'm sorry about that. Things have been hectic at home. The car has been in and out of the garage. I'll tell you more about that in a bit. I've also been rearranging the studio which means a lot of effort for very little reward, though it does feel a little less cramped now. But there's just as much in it as there was in the first place. Other improvements I've been thinking of include adding some moving blankets to a set of double doors that divide my studio to the living room. There are also some other studio changes that you might actually be able to hear. We'll talk about that in a second as well. I've also been shopping, driving people about, then picking them up, faffing around with Amazon, trying not to get ripped off by their surge pricing, and I haven't been sleeping either. This is quite a long list of grumps, and if I were to continue, it would take quite a while to get through the list. So let's just leave it at that at the moment. The car, yeah. The car has been having quite a lot of problems. We're trying to replace the car, which I call the Millennium Falcon. I know, not that imaginative and a bit on the nose for a geek. Unfortunately, we're in the middle of a car shortage. That includes used cars. After two cars we arranged to see were suspiciously suddenly sold right from under us, the moment we expressed interest, I suspect price gazumping. I've got to the stage where I'm almost giving up on the VW-approved dealer network. Yeah, we were considering a Volkswagen. Now I'm not so sure, mainly because I've got the hump with VW. Back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago about studio changes. There is a technical change tonight, and that is I've got a Shaw SM58 to replace the Behringer XM8500, which is uh, almost a clone of the former. The reason I've done that is not because... I think this mic is any better, but for no other reason that I got an SM58, a new one, at half price due to a total cock-up by Toman in Germany on a previous order for a desk mic stand which came with missing parts, which meant that I had a credit note to spend. Hopefully there should be a marginal sound improvement, 
I do know that the sensitivity of the new mic is enough that I now have to turn on my mixer's high-pass filter. The mic that I'm speaking to right now has a nice, friendly red foam nose, so I might call it Rudolph. Yeah, I know, not one for the imagination. I have decided on the spur of a moment to call the Beringer General Blackblood after the Volgan war criminal robot from 2080's ABC Warriors. And you can't get geekier than that. I've actually got a pair of them, but I have one of them, or had one of them, permanently set up as my desk mic. As we speak, other fancier equipment than the SM58 is winging its way to me and should be here soon, and that may further improve audio. We'll talk about that when it happens. Fancier equipment, of course, means I need your support more than ever, so go to royMathur.com slash podcast.html hashtag support. Or just go to royMathur.com, click on podcast and click on support. You'll find it. I have a Kofi page, and I'll mention that again at the end of the show. I know that's annoying, but I do need help. And almost after only seven minutes, as you can hear, my voice is already beginning to croak. Maybe it's time we got on with the show. I also have some lemonade somewhere. Hold on, let me just hit pause. When I say lemonade, I of course mean 7-Up with a slice of lemon. Ah. That wasn't an endorsement, by the way. <laughs> As if... I haven't even mentioned what the story that we're going to talk about tonight is. It is a Doctor Who story from 1977 called Image of the Fendal. Let's start off with some notes. The Fourth Doctor was played by Tom Baker, his companion... Is Leela, played by Louise Jameson. The director was George Spenton Foster, which seems like a new name. I don't know much about this guy. The writer was Chris Butcher. The producer, Graham Williams. And as for location, this was an entirely studio shot story filmed at BBC Television Centre Studio TC6 in Shepherd's Bush. The filming took place between August and September 1977. Image of Fandal was Serial 3 of Season 15, comprising of four 25-minute episodes, and was broadcast from the 29th of October to the 19th of November 1977, following The Invisible Enemy, which we covered in Pod 388. As usual, let's go to our On This Day segment to give you a flavour of the world on the day of the first broadcast of the first episode. And on this day, the USSR blew up a bit of Kazakhstan during a nuclear test, which is a bit of a bummer. 
and I think Borat should get on to that right away. In the UK, at 1740, the Basil Brush show preceded the first episode of this Doctor Who story. Does anyone remember Basil Brush? Am I the only one? The image of Fandal was broadcast at 1810. But if you were too miserable a git for such frivolous entertainment, you could always tune in to Radio 4 instead and listen to the news and farming today. No, we prefer Doctor Who. And so let us move on to what happens. In a creepy old house in the English countryside, some scientists are scanning a 12 million year old human skull. That is paradoxical because humans are not that old. The scanning process makes Thea, one of the scientists, freeze. At the same time, on the grounds of the estate, something sinister chases and kills a man in the woods. The death is subsequently covered over by the unethical lead scientist, Dr. Fendelman, who does not want his experiments interrupted. The TARDIS, as so often is the case, is drawn to the disturbance and the Doctor and Leela investigate. They surreptitiously enter the grounds. The two go off on their own separate adventures for a time. Leela bumps into an aging hedge witch, Martyla, and the Doctor is almost killed by a giant leech-like creature. The Doctor recognises the strange alien creature as a Fendaline, part of a vampire-like gestalt being called the Fendal, supposedly destroyed by the Time Lords. After almost being killed by the skull, the Doctor's really getting savaged this week, he and Leela take the TARDIS to the fifth planet, the homeworld of the Fandal, but find it locked in an illegal time loop by the Time Lords. And so they find nothing at all, and they return to the country house on Earth. One of the scientists, Max, is secretly a cult leader who wishes to harness the alien power, but loses control during a ritual involving fear. Thea changes into a being that looks like a golden ancient Greek priestess and is now part of the Gestalt. The Doctor frees one of the captive scientists, a chap called Adam, and helps Max kill himself by giving him a pistol that he requests. Luckily for our heroes, the Fendal Gestalt entity is incomplete, which means it is not yet at full strength, thanks to a Fandaline killed by Max and another killed by the Doctor, armed with a double-barreled shotgun loaded with rock salt. Because of the weakened Fendal, the Doctor and Leela are given a fighting chance to defeat it, the Doctor rigs the lab equipment to create a huge implosion He then sends the survivors 
to Martyla's cottage. Then, armed with more salt, they, he and Leela, raid the basement, steal the skull, and leave just before the implosion destroys the house. In the TARDIS, the Doctor and Leela fly towards a supernova in which the Doctor will dump the skull, ending the terror of the Fandal for eternity. And so, on to what I thought. Well, before I do that, I need a sip of my drink, because my mouth is completely parched now. Oh, that was very lemony. I don't think that's done me much good. What I thought. Let's start off with something I feel a bit guilty about talking about, and that is... Leela has a new summery beige and very tight outfit. Her hair is also up, no doubt influenced by recent visit to Old Earth in the late 18th and early 20th century. I didn't like the outfit. I thought her original look was much cooler, and so, I assume, did the viewers in their droves who wrote in complaining. Okay, look, I don't know for a fact that anyone wrote in to complain. <laughs> My research didn't go that far. But in the last episode, she changes back to her original outfit, and the Doctor compliments her on her new look, thereby initiating that tired old trope of the clumsy man-compliment. It's a trope for a reason, and now, as I said at the top of this segment, I feel ashamed that I've spent so long on this one topic of her appearance. But she does look better in the old outfit. Okay, let's just move on. Yet again, Leela, somewhat over-eagerly, volunteers to kill a guard, only to be told by the Doctor not to. We do get it by now, she's ruthless, but the interchange is funny, hence I suppose their bickering is repeated each week. K-9 is not, thank the gods, present for this story. He's a nice enough doggy, but he doesn't half detract from the horror. Next... Somehow, it completely passed me by. I read that Quatermass in the Pit was Chris Boucher's inspiration for the story. Of course it is. That skull. At this stage, I have to admit, it is just so easy to be knowledgeable in retrospect, and I'm glad I was honest about that. I could have said, yeah, this was one of the references, as if I already knew that. But I didn't. It's even more of a embarrassment because I really like Quatermass and the Pit. I've seen it so many times. Ah, I suppose it's so familiar and so ubiquitous in my mind that it just didn't occur to me. That can sometimes happen, can't it? Either that or I'm going mad. The themes of this story were great. Mad science mixed with the occult in a very British haunted country house setting. It is just my bag. It is something that should really have appealed to me. But somehow it 
didn't hear. The reason for that is the plot, though it was simple, seemed to leave a lot of loose ends. Or perhaps I just missed them. Like, who was the 12 million year old human with the 12 million year old skull? It was not explained properly. Also, why did Thea transform into a golden Greek Medusa-like entity with the power to freeze people? Is this the origin of the Medusa myth? That wasn't explained either. I know I often rail against exposition, and as an adult viewer I get the reference, but would younger children? And why did the crazy ritualist want to kill himself? And why did the doctor assist him commit suicide? It doesn't seem in the doctor's nature to give up on someone so easily. Although, I know that the old doctor is a lot different to the modern Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant and so on doctor. But that did feel out of sorts and a little jarring. One of the scientists, Adam, is a very plummy, patronising and incredibly annoying chauvinist. His interactions with his fellow scientist Thea are cringeworthy to me. I don't know how it is with other people. Let me know. Perhaps I'm looking at that from a modern perspective. But I don't think I am, because I've been around for a while, and that behaviour would have been cringeworthy a long, long time ago, and not just today. And by the way, while I'm asking people what they thought of stuff, let me just go back to those things that I thought didn't make sense, like the 12 million year old skull and the Medusa entity. If anyone has watched this themselves and thinks I missed anything out and that was explained, it's just clumsy old Roy didn't pay attention, which is entirely possible, let me know. Back to the annoying Adam. Yeah, he's a chauvinist and he talks down to people. And then there's a scene in which Leela kisses him. She's never done that before. It does make me wonder why that was in the scene, and I bet it was ad-libbed. Maybe we can ask Louise Jameson herself one day. If she can even remember that. <laughs> the implosion effect. Yeah, the big set-piece James Bond explosion at the end of this story is largely a single explosion repeated on a loop of film. BBC, you cheapskates. And it is a very, very obvious loop as well. <laughs> it's such a clumsy bit of film editing. Finally, something from the past transforming into an imperious, malevolent goddess. Does that remind you of something? If you're into vintage British sci-fi, it should do. It reminded me of my favourite Blake 7 episode, Sarcophagus, written by Tanith Lee, the great British science fiction and fantasy writer. 
It makes me wonder if the look of this 1977 Doctor Who story inspired the look of the later Blake Seven story from 1980. Let's move on to some trivia. I read, though can't confirm the veracity of this, that Chris Boucher's script was ridiculed by Tom Baker for having too much double entendre. This is something I'd never noticed myself in the story, and I am usually highly attuned to it, as Tom Baker's dialogue frequently has an excess of it, usually ad-libbed by Baker himself, meaning his alleged criticism is hypocritical. Also, I'm listening out for double entendre because I'm British. (laughs) I don't even know why we laugh at this stuff. It's not that funny. Back to Tom Baker ridiculing Chris Boucher. If that actually happened, well, here's some advice for fellow creatives out there. If you are a creative, a scriptwriter, a writer, you'll always have people criticising your work, so don't take it personally. Be grateful you got the work and do better next time. Remember, every piece of work sold is a triumph. I've had people criticise stuff that I've written. Sometimes they were right, sometimes they were wrong. Did it stop me writing? No, of course it didn't. What generally demotivates me from writing is not selling stuff last of all that new look for Leela again I'm so sorry I just can't leave this alone according to the Radio Times a BBC hairdresser cut her hair a little too short prompting the hairstyle change in this story to cover up the faux pas and that beige outfit brief appearance. Louise Jameson now owns it. You know, if she was going to make off with something, I don't know why she just didn't nick the iconic original. That was a far cooler thing to have. I'm sure she could have spirited it away at the end of her tenure. Louise, you kept the wrong outfit. That is it. For my recap, rewatch, revisit of Doctor Who, Image of Fandal from 1977. When I put out this episode in a day or two, probably tomorrow, I will canvas the last ten or so people who mentioned the story, Image of Fandal, on Twitter for their comments on that particular episode, and if there are any comments, I will feature them in a future episode of this pod. Now that we're in the after-show section, time for another sip of my extremely lemony dregs. Hmm. Yeah, you're hearing a lot of noises, but just be grateful that I'm not half-crocked on gin. This last topic concerns the welfare of this pod, and I need your help. Producing this podcast, both the audio and the writing, takes a surprising amount of time and effort, and I've been doing this for a long time, so I need your help. Yes, I 
do these Doctor Who revisits and my other main pod for the love of Doctor Who and vintage British sci-fi and geekdom in general. But that doesn't mean I can do it without support. So again, if you can afford to do so, please visit roymathur.com and click on podcast and click on the support link. Any quids or bucks or galactic groats or Altarian dollars you can send my way would be greatly appreciated. If you don't have the money, and sure, some people don't, and that's fair enough, leave me a review or subscribe or tell your friends about the show or send me an interesting comment. Doing any of those things costs you nothing but a fraction of your time It helps me grow the show and also motivates me to continue. I, as a fellow human-ish being, I think, realise that the human inclination is to make for the hills the moment the rumble bucket appears. But I am asking you to support me in this endeavour, which, by the way, is the longest-lasting job I have ever had. If you class this as a job. Man, how long has it been now? 2012! And it's 2021 now. And that, I suppose, my friends, is it. This show is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R dot com. If you want to help, as I've said repeatedly in this episode, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy if you hate it. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. You have had the ear-pampering privilege of listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard, on which I talk science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and other stuff of interest to geeks. This was episode 390, recorded on Friday the 25th of June 2021, and the time at the end of the show is 23.48.16. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!